Welcome to another episode of the Programmatic Digest podcast. I am your host, Ellen Parker. We have a fantastic guest today on the podcast. Before we get to the guest, I want to give a special shout out and thank you to our sponsor, jobsinadtech.com. If you have not, if you have not checked out the website, jobsinadtech.com is the place to go if you're in market or as an employer, if you're looking to hire a professional, jobsinadtech.com. Um, Sarai Mora is joining us on the podcast today, including another coworker of mine, um, that is getting paid a lot more money than anybody else here, as you guys hear, um, but he's going to be okay. But Sarai, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me here. I'm very glad to be here. I'm very happy to be here. Hi to you and to your co-worker. <laughs> He's very good. So he might ha- ask his own question. Uh, but today I'm super excited to have you. Sarai is head of programmatic. She's a programmatic expert. She's been working on the activation and the sales side and the brand side for quite some numbers of years. I think you said 10 to 12 years. Yeah, 10 to 12. Well, yeah. 12 years. Yeah. Yeah, 12 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so she's here f- with us today. We're going to talk about ads compliant uh, with COPA, what that means in the programmatic advertising world. We'll touch on what that also means when it comes to like the cookie deprecation delay. Like what is going on? She has a very interesting perspective to share. Um, and then hopefully if we have time, we talk about Latin America as a market and why it is important. Uh, but before we even get to today's super, super exciting conversation, Sarai, tell us a little bit about yourself, like who you are, um, where you're from. Obviously, it's very cool where you're from. You were just talking about your birthday and also um, how you landed in programmatic. I'm very curious. Thank you. Yeah, uh, well, I'm Sarai. I'm from Costa Rica and I'm a digital marketing, paid media, and programmatic expert. Mm-hmm. And I've been in this uh, digital media world in, for about 12 years now. I started in, um, in an app network, in a local app network here in Costa Rica, mm-hmm. managing the, uh, um, the, the ad server. And working on that, and uh, unfortunately, they closed their operations. So I moved to a local agency. So that was maybe I think ten years ago. And at that moment, we were working with third-party sellers or third-party, uh, yeah, sellers of programmatic. And in the agency, I was working with. They wanted to bring the programmatic in-house. Mm-hmm. They didn't know how to do that. And I was working with the direct, um, with direct sites in the direct media. And my boss at that moment, my manager, she told me like, well, I've seen you're a little bit techie and you're, <laughs> you like like innovation. <laughs> so maybe the right person to understand programmatic and understand this new world and, and mm-hmm. bring programmatic in house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was really exciting to me. So she sent me to um, Media Mad at that moment. They had offices in Colombia. Okay. So it was uh, in the Colombia offices of Media Mad. So I was learning from them and how to set up a campaign. It was something 
completely new to me. I've never heard of Freematic um, before, but it was exciting because I have used um, an ad server before and it was like kind of similar. But then I, uh, she also sent me to, uh, Seismic, the Seismic DSP and ad server. They, um, had offices in Miami. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I was one week in Colombia and then one week in Miami learning about programmatic. It was, it was very intense, um, training. Like, well, here is the, the, um, the DSP. You can create a campaign here. You can download a report here and, <laughs> and even... <laughs> go ahead sorry <laughs> and it was a super quick training and then when i came back to costa rica i had to create like a complete programmatic area for the agency and i started running campaigns i remember that uh it was growing a lot at that time so for the first month i Start working with very campaigns from a lot of different clients, and it was really challenging because it was my first time. I just, um, I was just, I uh, came back from from Miami and from Colombia, and so it was super challenging. And then I was able to train a couple more of people in programmatic when I was uh, more skilled and experienced in programmatic, and I well told them here are all of the things that you need to know and. With all of that knowledge, I created the programmatic area in that, um, in that agency that how it, that, that is how it started. And it was really a really great experience, a really great school. But well, this is something I would like also to, to mention, uh, in this podcast and it is the state of programmatic in Latin America since it's something that it is still, uh, starting. It's, it is something really new. Um, there are a lot of platforms that we don't have access here in Latin America because of some reasons. For example, Google, uh, minimum requirements of budget and things like that. And since the market is still growing, uh, we don't have access. At that moment, I, in the agency, we didn't have access to DB360 or the trade desk or other DSPs that were used globally. Mm-hmm. So I wanted that experience i wanted to know um how it works in in america in canada and in other bigger markets so <laughs> i moved to accenture also because i wanted to practice my english and i wanted to be in a different um <clears throat> in a different area not only local clients so i moved to accenture and <laughs> At that moment, I was really happy because I had access finally to DV360, uh, the trailers, Amazon DSP, and it was a different league. So I was, oh, yay, I'm finally here. <laughs> finally, in DV360, uh, not only, not not because MediaMart or the other platforms I use it, it was uh, like smaller, but <clears throat> I wanted to use like, um, or to be in a different league with, with different clients. So at that moment, it was um really good school in all of those platforms. Mm-hmm. And all, well, um, as I mentioned, campaign manager, DV360, and the volume was really, really high. And I was managing campaigns of uh, maybe $1 million per quarter. Right. And 
including the upper funnel <clears throat> and the lower fun and lower funnel strategies. Yeah. So it was really cool because um for example, one of the brands, I I, I won't um I'm not going to mention the, the name of the brand, but it was a really um big brand in the US. And we had a really cool strategy, um remarketing strategy and we had um the upper funnel and lower funnel campaigns and for the lower funnel for the upper funnel campaign sorry we implemented a lot of direct deals with um different partners such as hulu gum gum so it was really cool that was in the upper funnel and then in the lower funnel we created really integrated um remarketing strategies targeting mm-hmm. uh people who visited the website maybe 12 years ago 12 12, you know, 12, 12 hours ago 12 uh six hours ago two hours yeah. one hour and so you're talking about recency schedule yeah we worked at a recency schedule and in the in db360 and a really intricated um remarketing strategies in all the, the marketing funnel for programmatic and then i moved to amadeus working as a strategist and in my most recent role as a head of programmatic at kiddos i work from the ssp side that was a new experience for me because i haven't worked in the ssp side um in the past Ooh, so how was that how was that what was the okay so let me let me ask this question really quick because um I'm, I've been predominantly on the bar side uh, and I've had a handful of self side clients where but more on the education piece like um I've worked with quite a few clients like at push up where I help them build internal educational materials for their clients and for their internal team but I never got to do like sell side at ups, direct buy, programmatic, things like that. Mm. So as a buyer, what was the biggest change between what you did at Amadeus, let's say, or Accenture and kiddos? Like what's the, yeah. like one of the things like, oh, this was helpful because I have a buyer experience in that. But at the same time, this was very different. Uh, uh, working because I knew the platform I was in the buyer side I traded campaigns mm-hmm. and I traded a lot of campaigns from the buyer side and I was the one receiving the deals in the past like deals with GumGum deals with Hulu Spotify and all of that but now I was the one creating the deals <laughs> oh. okay 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 yeah, so instead of um well, including the deals in the DSP and well trafficking, you know, I was the one created the, creating the deals and also working directly with the buyers and the advertisers to make that that deal work. And then it, it was uh, also a different experience because, well, for example, in Hulu or GumGum or all of those parts, they um, maybe don't work with um, kids advertising. So it is not um, maybe difficult, but with kids advertising, there are a lot of um, different uh, regulations and different things that you need to to take into consideration to make a campaign work. So it was 
different because I have been in the place of the advertiser. So I understood their needs. I understood what, what I need a campaign. I need to start this campaign on the first and, uh, first uh, of January is tomorrow. <laughs> and we need to do this tomorrow. And well, you understand their needs. You understand what they need. You understand what we have at this budget and you need to, yeah. to, to uh, reach the goals, um, yes or yes, there is not other option. So but um, go go ahead. Sorry, sorry. But on the other side, there was a new word to me because it was this mark tech um, world that I didn't not have experience with, and it was integrations. Because just for context, Kiros is an app network and and SSP, so they have integrations with a lot of different apps in the kids environment so for example uh talk um talking tom talking angela and all of those um kids apps so they have an integration to have an app network with all of those uh different apps so if for example we are going to integrate with another app or another network to bring more opportunities, more inventory or things like that. Um, well, I, I was the one also like knocking different doors for integrations and, uh, working with the IT team to make the integration happen and mm-hmm. have a lot of different, like very technical meetings with the, uh, developers. Yeah, I heard it was very technical, and um, yeah, I'm such, I'm just so intrigued. What's up, buddy? I was just so intrigued. Um, I think it's a good segue into, you know, one of the questions I had about what are the best practices, you know? Um, so we heard about YouTube getting in trouble for many reasons, um, but most most recently it was about the the partner, I guess it was Google, not too much for YouTube, but the partner, um, the search partner transparency, the whole debacle around it. And so I wanted to ask you when it comes to targeting kids, what is allowed, what is not allowed? I've run a few campaigns for early education clients, like early education schools, like preschools or kindergartens. But that was quite a few years ago and that was pre-COVID. So have things shifted since then? Um, and for our listeners, what would you recommend in terms of, you know, best practices when it comes to those brands or running programmatically for those brands? What would you recommend? Yeah, uh, first, I would like to start with a little bit of context about what is COPA and what the COPA is basically a regulation from the U.S., and it's the Children Online Privacy Protection Act. And it is uh, US law and it is designed to safeguard the privacy and personally identifying information of um, children on their 13 who use online services. So this is, is really important. And it was originated in uh, 1998. And um, because of our complaint about kids' home privacy violations, so there are a lot of things uh, as advertisers and also as publishers we need to take into consideration to uh, be compliant with COPA. So from um, from a content perspective, 
it is important that we don't not include um, any violence, blood, or maybe something inappropriate. Um, even there is um, something really interesting that is happening in Spain or, and also in Mexico that I have read about. So, for example, in Spain, they recently launched um, like something related with the stereotypical um, advertising for children. So for example, that um, all of the girls um, advertising are, are related with uh, dolls, Barbies, pink, and all of that. And the ones that are for boys are all about cars and color blue or light blue and a different type type of advertising. So they are the one in Spain they want to remove those stereotypical um advertising oh, gender okay so it's gender specific for those kids and you can't no longer have that in the ads exactly that is specifically in Spain they would like to remove the stereotypical uh, representation of girls and boys in advertising Listen, that that's going to be interesting, especially in the U.S. market. I don't know if this is going to come to the U.S. market, but like when my kid watches TV and she watches YouTube, even though I control the content, there are those ads that come up and shows other kids playing with like monster trucks. And I have a little girl, but she loves it. And every single toy that comes on TV, she wants it. And we go on to a negotiation pattern that's like, listen sis you can't, you can't have, you can have it all but not right now you know yeah. so i i find it very interesting for this market and i'm really curious to find out what spain and you know some countries like mexico you said are going to do like what how are gonna i guess it makes sense because like you're not supposed to target to them anyway right you're supposed to talk to their parents correct so yeah, it is supposed to, to not not the kids exactly, but it it is. Um, I mean, you have to. The kid has to have a device where the parent agreed for them to add advertising, and they they declared that it is uh, maybe under um, a, a children under thirteen. So it is possible, but only with the right uh, app networks mm-hmm. and. They already um, declared that they were children and all of that. And well, continuing with the with the content, well, um, for example, it is not allowed violence, blood, or anything like it is related with. Um, well, yes, any any inappropriate for children, but in terms of um, if we go into programmatic and with all of the things related with. Um, tracking and trafficking, there are a few things we need to take into consideration. So first thing is um, third-party trackers are not allowed. So uh, yeah, third-party trackers is something that you cannot use because um, Google, for example, recognize this type of advertising as non-personalized ads. so you cannot include or you cannot track uh, the identifiers for from children. You cannot track any uh, personal information from them. Yeah. So uh, 
any third party trackers, if you are maybe if you have like any third party verification tools or something like that, like mode or anything like similar, yeah, it is not possible to have those um into the kids advertising. And this is something that I I didn't know and I um realized about that it during my my work at Kitas because at first um we were struggling with a lot of campaigns and I was working a lot of a lot of A B testing okay. and it was because we we didn't get to scale in a few campaigns and I was wow this is this is curious. This is this is sad because we are scaling in these campaigns in this maybe particular region, but we are not scaling these uh, other campaigns. And I work a lot of A/B testing and also um, creating the campaigns in a test environment myself in my um, uh, DSP DV360 axis to see what happened there. Yeah. And after a few testing, maybe. Um, working with guaranteed, not guaranteed, and a lot of different deals, I realized that um, the specific issue, it was the third-party tracker. So wow. I created documentation for clients, and it was something really new for them as well. And uh, we cannot, unfortunately, we cannot use, and I think um, <clears throat> a lot of education needed in this field as well. Yeah. Because um, we need to educate the clients to understand what are the needs for a for a different campaign, like targeting COPA, for example, mm-hmm. and a campaign which is not targeting COPA. And uh, another um, challenge that I have working it was like the block list and allow list and all of that that yeah. we usually work in programmatic because um, I was working with an app network and yeah. they. The, the advertisers still wanted to include um, block lists and allow lists and all of that. But it was challenge because I had to educate them like, well, maybe this is not possible because we already we are already working with an app network, mm-hmm. which is about compliance. And uh, of course, we don't have those. Back, back. Um, <laughs> maybe he wants to ask. Yeah, he is asking a question. Yeah. <laughs> now we're talking about kids already. Yeah, we talk about him and this <laughs> the Copa. Oh man. Okay. So well the tracking things, uh the tracking tag management, I had no idea. So that's something we need to be mindful of. And I knew that you cannot target the audience per se. But how, how, so what would you say? Okay. So let's, before we go into the closing segments, um, if there's maybe three things, bless you. If there's three things, bless you, um, buyers, traders, listeners should, should remember from our conversation and specifically about this topic of COPA, how to best target, how to not target. What is three things you would want them to know? Like, oh, if you're thinking about running a campaign where this audience may be targeted, these are the things you want to remember and do. Sure. Well, there are three things that I consider really important to be compliance. And the first one is, uh, well, 
review really well your content and or the content of your uh, ads to be 100% compliance, like no violence. And also there are specific regulations in different countries. So for example, in Europe, we also have GDPR, and um yeah i i i'm sure you have heard about that and in spain as i mentioned they wanted to include uh that um like gender neutral um regulation and also for example in mexico it is not allowed to advertise food for kids because there are a lot of regulation with all of the sugar and different things for kids. So you need to know your audience and the countries you're targeting really well and the content that you will advertise. And then also um, maybe read a little bit about COPA and um, know that maybe if you're working with an, a specialized app that work in kids, if they have all the regulations and all the compliance um, after that, you don't need to worry about um, third-party trackers because those are not allowed. Yeah. Uh, and and if you are um, if you are from the SSP or app network side as well, uh, if you in if you are if you're for example in the open market and you need to approve or disapprove um, ads or campaign because this is something I work as well. Uh, just review really well all of the content that you are um allowing into the open market of programmatic mm -hmm. so i think this is uh um this is key in the corporate compliance programmatic world because the fines and um, penalties are really high uh -huh. I, read, uh, <laughs> I would imagine you can't, you know, you can't mess around. I think it's really cool that in Mexico, there's you can't advertise food to kids because you're right. Like I said, when my kiddo is is watching something, she be like, "Mommy, I want to eat this. I want to try this." And is some of them are high sugar, and she is stimulated enough at her age. So because of you know the environment we we live in here, at least in the U.S., and so the least amount of sugar she can get, the better it is for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my kid is is really great. I mean, I, I can't complain in, about that. So um I appreciate this conversation, uh, Sarai, because it's I don't know if it's talked about enough. And I know that there are a lot of rules internationally that are not in like that do not uh, meet us at least rules but i think it's really important to have a different perspective as a buyer and also on the sales side but also from a brand's perspective to understand when some composition arise this is why right and i think this is really important to have somebody like you on the team or as a partner whether it's contracting or freelancing it's because because you know your stuff, you were able to test, you've learned the hard way and the, the efficient way how to do things the right way for the clients, right? And so I I think it's really, really important. And also I wanted to say before we, we close this segment is that um, has it been uh, like really quickly, like in, in one minute or less, tell us if, it, if there's been a situation before, maybe about COPA compliant campaign or in the region or in the U.S. region where 
this is a challenge that came up and I found a solution for that outside of the tracking tag. What's another case study you can share with us? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it is important to mention that, um, well, COPA compliant or case advertising is um, like maybe exclusively for awareness strategies because since you cannot track um, maybe conversions and you cannot add like third-party tracking or you cannot work with remarketing strategies there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we only specialized in well tracking impressions and at Kiros we focuses at uh, views because it, it was an app network in for in-app ads in all the in a few different games rewarded video and interstitial video were the, the main formats okay. so um I remember at one time it, this was for the um USA market and we were having a um, little bit of um, issues with inventory specifically okay. for a specific region. Okay. So we also uh, managed not not only programmatic campaign. I I led the programmatic team, but we also had direct campaigns. Mm-hmm. So all the campaigns were um, like competing between all of them with the programmatic and non-programmatic campaigns. So um, I created like um, a strategy to prioritize the programmatic campaigns by hours. So um, I work well, well in this, ad, I don't know if it's an ad server or I see if I can call this ad server or uh, our own, we had our own platform to create an upload campaigns and all the programmatic campaigns. So I created an, I created an strategy to um, prioritize the programmatic campaigns on that region to be able to reach the goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, impressions goals and we um reached not only reached the goals at that time we had a very important campaign for um important uh police client in the usa so we not only uh exceeded the uh, completed the goals but exceeded the goals in all of the ctr pcr mm-hmm. um I exceeded the benchmark goals in there. So it was a really cool campaign. We were able to prioritize um, the programmatic campaigns and, and work on that, yes. So um, so instead of going large, you went specific. Yeah. You really customized the experience. Okay, okay. All right, all right. So here's um my last question in the... <laughs> He's, he's getting mad because he can't get uh, the toy that's in the in the wall. But um, <laughs> okay, so at the end of the epi- every episode, I ask the same question. I like a, a little word of wisdom, right? What would be something you wish you knew <laughs> when you first started? Viens, Karel, viens. Let me grab him really quick. Viens. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm mad because it's totally this <clears> day. <throat> All right, cool. And I finish with Mr. White. Thank you. So, like I was saying, what is something you want to share with the audience, right? Something you knew 
you know now that you wish you knew when you first started. Uh, like, oh, if I when I when when I started, if I knew this, it would have been made. You know, it would have made me a better marketer or whatever. What's what's your word of wisdom for us? Well, the, this is a never-ending learning path because there are new platforms every day. There are new. I mean, I love programmatic. I I can say that from the bottom of my heart. And uh, there is a never-ending learning path because uh, one day I was on the um, on the advertiser side, on the buyer side, and the other day I was on the SSP side, yeah. and a lot of different um platforms tools i in the past the dsps the vitro 60 the traders amazon dsp and all of those and then in, at the other day i was using pubmatic sander yeah. improved digital and all of those uh, ssp platforms so you will never stop learning in this uh career in this path and then you have well i already managed campaign for big clients in the u.s one million dollars and in the other day i was managing a kids campaign which is really exciting really new to me i had to learn a lot and i will say at this point of my career that i'm ready to learn more i'm ready to um uh, take on those new uh, chapters is in this industry and now we, we were talking about the google cookie deprecation well we have new things to learn we have new things to know yep. and for some I'm, I'm from yeah last america yeah programmatic is still really new yeah so we are in part of education learning there are new things uh, that we need to adapt and learn to be able to continue growing in this uh dramatic work that is really exciting oh my gosh that's such a good way to end this and and sarai is open to new opportunities y'all if you're listening and you know somebody that knows somebody or if you are hiring or even looking for consulting work okay you need somebody that has experience to do something efficiently please reach out to her uh what how can they reach out to you actually uh, yeah um well, I have um, like a portfolio side, which is where I'm more at that side. Mm -hmm. And also through my LinkedIn as well, which is Sarai Mora. Okay. And all of Sarai's um, information would be in the show notes right below this uh, or the, the, the YouTube video description um, and um, in the show notes of the podcast. Um, Sarai, thank you so much for joining me and my apprentice and being so <laughs> graceful Christian. Uh, um we really appreciate you i wish you good luck i have i cannot wait until you come back and talk to us about your new findings your new experience and how how dope you are um so thank you thank you so much for coming by thank you very much for having me here len and thank for this opportunity and well, I already um, watched a few episodes of your podcast and it's really great. So hopefully we can uh, see in the future. We can meet in the future as well. Uh -huh. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.